Okay, let's do this one last time, yeah? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider. Call me Spider-Man! I want that ball-crawling arachnid prosecuted! I'm Spider-Man. I want him strung up by his web! Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I want Spider-Man! Hello, true believers. Welcome to the Spider-Man Book Club. This podcast is all about digging into the library of everyone's favorite wall-crawling menace and his spectacular corner of the Marvel Universe. I'm your host, JJ Hodges, and today I'm joined by Ricky Church. Uh, how are you doing today, Ricky? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic. Um, we have had, as we talked about a minute ago, <laughs> uh, some scheduling snafus, but uh, mm-hmm. but it's all good. We're here now, and we're here to talk some classic... <clears throat> Uh, Spider-Man stories, uh, the death, uh, the death of the Stacys, um, death of George, or death of George Stacy, and the night that Gwen Stacy died. Um, very uplifting stories. So, oh yeah, total, <laughs> total crowd pleasers. Yeah, yeah, but but classics among uh, Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man lore, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will confess to you right now, uh, I have I know these stories very, very well, obviously, being a huge Spider-Man fan. Never actually read them until you uh, su- until you suggested uh, it, hmm. um, which I feel like yeah. I say almost every episode. So maybe I should not be hosting <laughs> this. But, hey, you know, you know, if you want to take this podcast from me, uh, uh, I mean, I, I guess I could. <laughs> I can't really do anything. Um Please don't, though. That's all I have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> so, uh, let's, so let's start with you, Ricky. Um, when were you first bit by the uh, genetically altered spider? Uh, well, definitely, like, uh, you know, I grew up in the 90s. So um, definitely, I, w- I would probably have to say with the 90s animated series, like, I like I think oh gosh I think I'd seen like you know some of the the, the classic 60 series and then mm-hmm. you know like uh, um, of course I probably had a Spidey comic here and there but it it, it was definitely the that like made me want to you know go out to the comic book store and pick up specifically Spider-Man yeah uh issues or or going to the toy store and getting spider-man toys it was the 90s series that definitely uh made me a fan that was always like a must watch on you know the saturday mornings uh well when it aired on on fox or you know any other channel that it was on if it was on i I tried to make a point to watch it but definitely it it was a must watch between uh, my brother and i so much so that to the point I, I even remembered like grade two writing like a letter to Stan Lee being like, <laughs> can you please make a Spider-Man movie and it should have Venom and Carnage? And like, <laughs> even I even included a crappy little drawing of Spidey fighting the two of them. <laughs> and uh, I hope I hope he never read it. <laughs> well, you know, you know, who knows? Um you know, maybe maybe one day that'll get dug up in a documentary or something. <laughs> so, oh yeah, it's like, like some nerd wrote this <laughs> twenty years ago. It's like, oh no. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, that, that's awesome. I I I find that a lot of people um, 
around around our age you know like the the 90s cartoon was the the gateway into spider-man mm-hmm. as much as the same way that i think like batman the animated series and x-men the animated series really like yeah. if, if that if those if those three shows didn't drive you into the comic book store then they were you know you weren't watching yeah. them right or something yeah, those those three like those three shows were definitely like the defining cartoons uh, of that era for like comic book fan like Obviously, you know, like there are a few others, of course, like the, the Fantastic Four or the, the Hulk show and, and a couple others. But like, uh, yeah, it was definitely like Batman, Spider-Man and X-Men that like really drove that like, oh, the superheroes are so cool. You know, the, right. that playground talk in school and in comic book stores and stuff. So, and I- yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the Hulk animated show because I loved that show when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I, and when, uh, I don't know, like when you, when you're an adult and you can spend your adult money, you know, I, (laughs) I had like an Amazon gift card and I used it to buy the first season, the digital copy of that series. And then like two Mm -hmm. years later, Disney plus came out and it had it. So so that was a waste of $15. I remember (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I remember, like, I think I only saw a little bit of the Hulk show. Same, same with the Fantastic Four. I only saw a little bit of them. But, uh, yeah, what, like, I've been meaning to watch them on Disney Plus since, since uh, you know, Disney Plus came out. Right. Ha- right. haven't gotten around to it yet. Like, I only just, um, not too long ago, just because, like, I, I've had uh, such a Spider-Man hype in prepar- preparing for this podcast that... Sure. Uh, you know, uh, I I've started going back more now to uh, the animated series of Spider-Man because uh, that's one that I haven't actually like sat down and really watched in a long time. It was on Netflix for a little while, um, like a few years ago, like even, like before Disney Plus. It was on Netflix, but then um, mm-hmm. they took it off uh, after I watched a few episodes, and I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> that that and. Uh... I, I'm pretty sure a lot of them were on there. I remember, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, it's not related, but uh, but Young Justice was on Netflix for the longest time. Yeah, was really it cool. was. Yeah, uh, up here they, I think Netflix still has the first two seasons. Okay. On there, um, they don't have any of the others because, like, the others are uh, HBO Max exclusives. And uh, yeah, yeah. Up up here because I, I live in canada so like we, mm. we don't have um hbo max we have what what's called crave which is owned by bell and they have a deal with hbo max to or hbo to use all their shows on on crave and stuff so it, it's a lot of complicated bs but <laughs> uh yeah so unfortunately we don't get all the hbo max stuff not like uh, not like you guys well you know, it's hopefully only a matter of time. I've heard that from other yeah. international people that uh, that I follow and are friends with, um, and I th- I just think it's silly. That's just money on the table. Yeah. But mm-hmm. what are you gonna do? Um, well, so let me uh, let me go through my uh, my brain stumpers, which I don't think are brain stumpers, but tend to really um, uh, throw people for a loop when I ask these questions. Um, do you have a favorite um, Spider-Man character? Um, can be a uh, hero or villain, you know, whatever uh, sporting character, yada, yada. Yeah. Well, outside of uh, Spidey himself, mm-hmm. 
gosh, I don't know. Um, I mean, uh, <laughs> like J- JJ, he's always good for like a laugh, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and just whatever crazy vendetta he has against Spider Man now, like any new thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I've always, I've always liked uh, sometimes Harry. H- Harry's been pretty good, but like yeah. Gwen, Gwen Stacy and MJ, they've been favorites. Um, yeah. yeah, God, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, hard one because I, I like so many of them. So it it, yeah. it is, you know, it you know, I, I joke that it's it's a tough question, but it is, you know, the Spider Man yeah. in you know. I think Spider-Man and Batman, not just their rogues gallery, which, you know, mm-hmm. both are unmatched, but uh, their supporting cast as well. Um, but they don't get they don't get as much love, I think, when people say like, oh, Batman has the best rogues gallery. No, Spider-Man mm-hmm. has the best rogues gallery. It's like, no, but they also have great supporting cast, too. That, yeah. and, and there's a reason that in both cases that, you know, Spider-Man, you know, that there have been mary jane mm-hmm. comics you know there have been yeah yeah exactly da- yeah, daily yeah. bugle comics you know what i mean yeah. like it's it's stuff that uh you know and venom and carnage of course have had yeah, yeah. standing yeah, comics definitely it, it's funny because you know like you mentioned you mentioned batman like when you think about like um take like superman for example like yeah. uh his, his supporting characters are usually relegated to like ma and pa Kent, Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, Perry White. Yep. And then that's usually it for him outside of, and then like you get into his rogues gallery. But um, for for characters like Batman and, and Spider Man, like it seems like their supporting cast is like much larger. Cause like with Spidey, you have Harry, Flash Thompson, MJ, Gwen, uh aunt may jay yeah. jonah joe robertson <laughs> like the, there's a long list of supporting characters like betty brandt ned leads yeah who like uh, yeah like there's a long list of supporting characters and same with batman like yep you know any any number of the robins alfred uh gordon bullock you know like again long list there and then that's and then you get into the rogues gallery so like spidey and and batman they definitely have uh quite a large supporting cast compared to like other superheroes like like superman or, or flash or captain america or uh, anybody like uh they're, they're the ones they're the ones that tend to stick around too it's funny you mentioned uh mm-hmm. jj uh where he you know he plays a big role in in, in both of these stories and uh, mm-hmm. and not only does joe robertson as well but so does randy robertson you know mm-hmm. like so yeah, that's yeah so that's interesting that even within these books themselves that weren't that old at the time they already had legacy characters right you know mm-hmm. so that's interesting yeah yeah um all right so next question um yeah okay uh before we get into the story do you have a favorite spider-man costume can be from the comics movies video games whatever yeah um you know uh i've always actually really liked the ben riley costume like not not the the scarlet spider one but like when he becomes spider-man for a bit like that like big black spider on his chest oh, okay and and uh, that like i've really like that one i remember um being in a in a comic book store and it like i i kind of 
was keeping up a little bit with the clone saga at that time like i had just and i mean the clone saga went on for a couple of years so yeah i never knew where it ended or where it began i just kind of picked Nobody up some various <laughs> issues and, and um but like i remember like i had i had the issue where uh um peter parker and Ma- mary jane they leave new york and then mm-hmm. uh uh, you know, Ben Riley assumes the Spider-Man identity, yep. but uh, that issue, like he was still wearing like the Scarlet Spider costume. And I remember yep. like one of the next times I went into the comic book store, like on the cover was, was that like new costume where, you know, yeah, there's the big black spider. It's it's a mix of, uh, you know, red and blue um, and he's or black yeah yeah because his legs were black and like and, and he had like the wrist shooter catchers like all around his wrists like, yeah like yeah in the, the scarlet spider ones yep. and i remember being really taken with that and then like again a little while later when i was at the the toy store um i remember seeing a pack of like a four pack of spider-man and like one of them was that costume and i i bought that four pack specifically for that costume because it was <laughs> it was so cool so yeah. i would say that one um the one from the the new one from the playstation game where like he's got the big white spider uh, yeah that's grown on me a lot actually um playing like when i was playing that game that, that one grew on me so um those two and then of course the classic costume like those are like my top three right now, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely agree with you about the, um, you said exactly what, what I was thinking about the, the PlayStation one, it, the, the white logo kind of grew on me because the first time I saw mm-hmm. it, I was like, Oh, that's, I don't like that at all. And, and then there was like a, I haven't, I haven't read it yet. I do have a copy of the uh, city at war tie-in comic book. Mm-hmm. And uh, which I always think it's weird when it's like Marvel Spider-Man. It's like, well, no crap. Yeah, yeah. Like, who, you know, it's yeah, not, yeah. you know, like who is this like boom studios, Spider-Man. Of course it's Marvel Spider-Man, but yeah, it's just a weird thing they do with the, the comic book tie-ins within video games. I don't know. Mm. Very strange. Um, that's a discussion for another day, I suppose. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, and then like seeing it kind of quote unquote in action and seeing clips from the video game. I'm not mm-hmm. much but i was like oh, okay that does look kind of cool and it is unique because it you know it, you see that and you immediately go oh that's a video game right yeah, you know? yeah. uh just like what you're yeah. saying it's like you, you see that other costume you're like oh that's ben riley um mm-hmm. which which i think is cool that you know they having that kind of uh that kind of distinction and it was my my one complaint from spider-man no way home like a very small complaint was that mm. I wish that Andrew Garfield had worn the costume from Amazing Spider-Man number one, because it oh yeah yeah, the, yeah the three of them would have looked totally yeah, different. Yeah, they would the have other. had their distinctive looks. Yeah, yeah right. for sure. Um, yeah, and, and like as much as I like seeing him in like the more classic costume in yep. Amazing two, yeah, that that Amazing one costume actually is like really cool and like really well designed and, yep. and stuff. So yeah, like I, I definitely missed it missed seeing it on 
the big screen yeah. in both Amazing 2 and uh, No Way Home. Yeah. And I apologize that my light is starting to flicker a lot. So sorry, viewers. So. <laughs> well, it, you know, it just means that uh, we're going to have to put on some Kate Bush so that Beck Knight doesn't come and get you. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah th thankfully, I don't have any big grandfather clocks. So hopefully <laughs> I won't hear any any of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have a... I have a 13 week old cat that's running around trying to he's flipping my fan over and he's uh attacking my feet so if you see me like looking around it's not because i'm disinterested yeah. it's because somebody's trying to get my attention um yeah. but uh it's okay still love you oh, there he is if you can hear him yeah yeah heard him louder. <laughs> um all right so let's get into it we're talking about the uh, the death of the Stacys, um, <clears throat> the first arc, oops, the first arc being um, the the death of Captain Stacy, running from issues Amazing Spider-Man number uh, eighty-eight to ninety-two, from uh, September nineteen seventy to January nineteen seventy-one, uh, written by Stan Lee, uh, penciled by John Romita Sr., inked by Jim Mooney. And lettered by Sam Rosen and Artie Chimek. And then uh, The Night Gwen Stacy Died, which is Amazing Spider-Man number 121 and 122. Uh, written by Jerry Conway, penciled by Gil Kane, inked by John Romita Sr., Tony Mortellero, sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, sir. Mm. Colored by Dave Hunt and lettered by Artie Simek. Uh, and uh, and that ran from March 1973 to April 1973. Um, so really quite early into um, into Spider-Man's history mm -hmm. there. Spider-Man's only um, nine and 11 years old when he's going yeah. through some <laughs> tragic events. But yeah. I will say that... Um, uh, they they are a heck of heck of a story uh uh you know because I, I read them as as one thing mm -hmm. um but they i was uh, like i said i i hadn't i knew them very well because being a spider-man quote-unquote historian i guess mm -hmm. um but you know because sometimes and i've said this before on the show that i have trouble reading comics from like the 60s and 70s because sometimes the dialogue can be kind of hokey and yeah um and uh you know and i know yeah. stan lee's yeah. you know when his characters talk every sentence ends in an exclamation point so yeah i have to kind of yeah yeah I, I i sometimes or kind of agree about the hokiness of some of the dialogue especially when like you have like a panel where like someone is talking and like they're basically like giving a whole monologue in the middle of a fight. Yes. <laughs> and then, yes. Like, and then <laughs> the next panel, it's just like, like, you know, they're like, they're throwing a punch in mm. the first panel and they're giving a, a huge monologue. And then the second panel, it's like the punch finally connects. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and, and then they're launching into another monologue right after. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, well, like it's of the time, but well, but, it, it's yeah. funny that but, it is, yeah. but it it also <laughs> is very um, 
very much reminiscent of <laughs> when you know obviously Sam Raimi was very inspired by that when he made his first Spider-Man movie yeah which mm-hmm. I feel like he does that a little bit in those movies yeah, yeah. Uh, especially in the first one uh, mm-hmm. which is totally you know fine with me because that was Sam Raimi's era and I think mm-hmm. um, those at least the first two movies really captured that 60s 70s feel of Spider-Man yeah, very yeah. very well mm-hmm. um, I still maintain that I think they have a a timelessness to them whereas the the later movies and no offense to them because i i do like the amazing spider-mans and the mcu spider-mans but mm-hmm. they have i feel like in maybe 10 15 years and i could be wrong about this they might feel a little dated you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. but uh but then again my best friend calls the same ray movies he's he likens them to the the adam west batman show he's like those are just so campy to me i, I have a hard time <laughs> watching them and i was like i think you're out of your mind but <laughs> um yeah I mean, everyone's entitled to their wrong opinion, so that's fine. Yeah. But... <laughs> like, I mean, if if you don't associate Sam Raimi with campy, then I don't know what you're doing. But... Well, yeah, and, and <laughs> but was... like he he but he does campy well, like uh, you know, like yeah, yeah. 100%. And, and yeah, and to your point, like yeah, like those like Spider Man and Spider Man Two, like they are like pretty timeless like i like i watched them a while back in the lead up to no way home mm-hmm. and it was the first time i watched them in like uh maybe like three four years maybe uh but uh yeah and you know i and like you i've seen them like dozens of times since sure. they've come out and they never to me like feel dated or boring and like they uh they they it's interesting because like they are of their time, but like sure. they're they're very early. You know, they have that early two thousands feel to them for like what movies and superhero movies specifically like were like just how they presented and and felt and stuff. But right, they they still feel like timeless. Like you you can all like you can almost put them into like any kind of era, like like you know the sixties or nineties or you know. Or, or now like they don't feel very dated you know like uh, no I, I i totally agree and i think it's it's a testament to how uh toby mcguire could fit fairly seamlessly into spider-man no way home um mm-hmm. you know, he's playing the same character he was playing then um but it, it didn't feel to me like you know, it's like you can do Spider-Man No Way Home, but you couldn't do like a Batman No Way Home, right? Yeah, like you, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could have Michael Keaton and Robert Pattinson in the same movie. Yeah, like yeah. It, that would, I mean, first and foremost, yeah. that would be probably not, I mean, maybe it'd be good, but uh, <laughs> it, I mean, I'd still go, of course, uh, but <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, you know, but it, it just wouldn't be the same. Whereas, uh, you know, those, those feel like, okay, like these, these guys can fit together in in kind of a weird, unique way. Yeah, yeah. That I think is yeah, well, unique well, to yeah, Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, because it's like yeah, you take like yeah, you throw together like Adam West, Michael Keaton, and Robert Pattinson, or like any combination of Batman actors, and it's like it's gonna feel weird. Like you're you're yeah. gonna be like how how could that possibly work? Because each right. one is so different from the other. Whereas, yeah, with, with uh, you know, Toby and Andrew Garfield and, and Tom Holland, like they each have their own, you know, uh, quirks with that, that they've taken on with the characters and their own iterations. But like 
that it's still like yeah i could even before no way home it's like yeah i could still see the three of them being on screen together that they match yeah. you know yeah but yeah which, which is um i think like a testament both to like uh the the trios like kind of natural chemist not that we knew what their chemistry would have been like you know prior to no way home right but but like still the fact that you could picture it and picture it like well that, that speaks to both like their uh capabilities as actors but and then also just how those films like both you know the, the raimi trilogy and the amazing movies and then the uh, mcu spider-man's just how they really captured like a lot of the different aspects of peter parker spider-man yeah uh, yeah. yeah and and that's what i really loved about uh the, reading uh these stories was that there was you know I, the the way i always describe comic books to people and i i feel like a lot of times i get kind of like a side eye but you know I, I when i think of comic books i think you know there, there's something for everybody and mm-hmm. like neil gaiman is, is a big advocate for that you know like yeah, you, yeah. comic books can be anything and you know, and I'm very much looking forward to as of this recording when his Sandman series comes out because it looks mm-hmm. very faithful to the comic and a lot of, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, and he was, and he and that's kind of how he felt. He's like, comic books can be whatever you need them to be. It's a storytelling medium, mm-hmm. and in in these stories, I felt like you know what's interesting is that there's there's funny bits, there's scary bits, there's mm-hmm. dramatic bits, there's romantic bits, you know, and there's you know really tragic and dramatic bits that really you know is it's it is kind of lightning in a bottle especially like the you know the you know we're talking about like timelessness of the Sam Raimi movies I felt that about especially about the 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 George Stacy uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, section of this where you know they're talking about wanting to fight air pollution and there's a DA mm-hmm. that's you know that has ties with the racist group and mm-hmm. uh, is you know, and, and, uh, and, the, you know, but he's still like, so charismatic, he's hyping up these crowds. And, mm-hmm. and all I could think reading those was just like, Oh, boy, I don't know anybody like that, you know? But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It, but I, I loved that those, it, on the one hand, it's sad that 50 years later, these stories still, yeah, they still have those themes are still relevant. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is interesting that I, I'm reading this going, you know, and, and yeah, it's like, like I said, sometimes it can be hokey, but for the most part, I'm reading it going like I I'm captivated by this, like, like genuinely, this is really interesting that we're having um, Spider-Man, you know, sure. He's fighting Doc Ock and the arms have escaped mm-hmm. and they're running around and that's yeah, kind of yeah. scary in and of itself, but it's, you know, for, but for Stan Lee to, you know, he kills off Uncle Ben, obviously in Amazing, Amazing Number uh, Fantasy Number Fifteen. But you have him, like Stanley, not afraid to kill off a, a major character, mm-hmm. and and not only that, but there's real repercussions where mm-hmm. Gwen, who doesn't know that Peter's Spider Man, blames Spider Man, yeah. and mm-hmm. and you know, and, and that and that goes on for several issues too. Yeah, like yeah. it's not it's not something that's like wrapped up immediately, like. Like even to the point of her death, like yeah, thirty issues later, mm-hmm. she's still unsure about Spider Man being like he may have killed my father or he may not have. But like that's some, that's like one thing that's never resolved. Like she never has like a 
you know a heel turn or, or a realization about like oh no spider-man is actually like a good guy he's not responsible for my father's death he's he is a hero there's never that realization it's still just right. kind of like an, an up in the air like thing for her yeah which like it's fine because like um like you, uh, well, like I have read like the night when Stacy died before, but mm-hmm. um, not for years. So like I came into it kind of like you almost with like fresh eyes when I like started rereading it because like, um, yeah, like like and but even even aside from not reading it for years, like it's like that issue that story is still stuck with me, which is why it's like one of my favorites. But yep. like I, I had this idea in my head though that um, at that point in time, like she did know Peter Parker was Spider Man, yeah. <laughs> or that or 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 reading it that like yeah she had forgiven uh, Peter for or Spider Man rather for uh, her father's death. Um, so rereading uh, the all, like all the issues leading up to her death, I was like, oh, so she like never knew, <laughs> she never found out his identity. Yeah. Which I mean, I, I think some later retcons years down the line might have like changed that. <laughs> with, but uh, I, I I don't know I, if, I, if if I anyone knows, correct up. me on that. But but speaking of it, like now, like as it was like currently going, the fact that like she didn't know at all um that surprised me and that's like is just another like huge thing for uh for this story because like we're so used to it now with um with the movies like and not just the raimi movies but like all the movies yeah um that uh you know his love interest whether it's you know mj or gwen or or um michelle jones <laughs> they they all find out right yeah and then yeah. they all at one point or another possibly become the target of the villain less so less so in the other movies but like in, in Raimi's movies mj always got captured at the end <laughs> that, that which did get old by the third yeah uh, yeah but uh so, so yeah like reading it i was like oh like i thought that that was like uh and i think even in the animated series like because there was a point there where where they they did their own little spin on the night Gwen Stacy died with, yeah, uh, with MJ, MJ. yeah, and and but instead of dying because it's a kids show, she yeah. she just gets trapped in like another dimension or, or whatever. Um, yeah, but but I think even at that point, like MJ, I can't remember, but I think at that point MJ knew Peter was Spider Man. I remember she like in the show she finds out. I can't remember what point though, if it's before uh, she gets trapped in the dimension or if it's like when that version of her uh, returns. But like, uh, so, so yeah, like I, like I was used to, you know, um, the love interests like finding out before tragedy. And so I was really surprised that uh, Stanley and Marvel were like, and Jerry Conway were like, no, she, she's going to die not knowing. So that, that really surprised me. Yeah, that it was. It's definitely a bold choice, and and I mm-hmm. didn't and I didn't realize it either. So I'm I'm glad mm-hmm. you thought the same thing. Um, but I I think what uh, what sells 
you know what what sells the story is that it does it does feel real uh, like a real relationship with these mm-hmm. uh, these people and and you know and captain stacy being a a spider-man supporter and and then dying uh in spider-man's arms and, mm-hmm. and even saying you know please take care of gwen peter i, mm-hmm. I mean i was moved by that because i you know yeah. because I, but even though i knew that i knew that peter didn't know that he knew but he knew you know yeah i i found that to be far more compelling than if captain stacy had just known um, yeah because to me it, it just it makes the it makes that arc that much more interesting because Peter even, you know, has his internal monologue where he says, Oh my gosh, did he, he knew and he never yeah. said anything. And yeah. Yeah. Like there, there are little bits in issues beforehand um, where like, you know, he, he makes a comment about the way like George. And then, um, but he's like, oh, no, like, I don't think he knows or whatever. And he goes yeah, back yeah. to, you know, uh, thinking, like, oh, yeah, no, like, he doesn't know. And so, yeah, then then when you get that confirmation, like, in his final moments that, yeah, he's he's known for quite a while. And he's just, like, played dumb to, like, help protect Peter and, and Gwen. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, it's definitely, like, quite a hitter. It, um it, it definitely is and and i and i think um and even the you know later in the in, in the story when you know iceman shows up is kind of cool mm-hmm. you know because because iceman automatically buys into it and and that's the thing that separates marvel from dc in a really cool way is that you know stanley could very easily just slip in these other characters mm-hmm. and say like okay well iceman's gonna be in this issue and he's gonna fight um you know, he's going to fight Spider-Man because he thinks Spider-Man's guilty. Mm-hmm. And and it's so funny because for the longest time, you know, I um I never um I never understood why it, like why Jonah always called Spider-Man a menace and, you know, mm-hmm. but like rereading these stories or reading these stories and I was like, you know what? It totally makes sense because mm-hmm. it very you know these these tragedies that happen with both of the Stacys. It really does look like Spider Man is guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, okay. <laughs> I know, I know, Spider Man's not guilty. Just chill out. All right. Um, you got mad at me for saying that. Yeah. Strong, um, strong opinions. <laughs> <laughs> strong opinions. So I'm gonna have to tag Banjo in this episode as well, um, <laughs> just so he's a part of it. But um, but yeah, it's uh, and and I you know and I also liked that. <laughs> just how how just sort of ridiculously hilarious jonah can be for no reason like mm-hmm. spider-man swings by the window and he's like robbie do something it's spider-man <laughs> and robbie's like what do you want me to do he's just, yeah. <laughs> you know, he just i started laughing immediately at that because there was something about that that felt real to me like i felt um I like I could hear uh, J.K. Simmons and Bill Nunn having that exchange, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, very much like it's Spider-Man, get him! It's like, what, what, what do you want me to do, Jonah? Like he's, yeah, I can't do yeah. anything. There, about this. Yeah, and there, there's a, a later issue that, that plays out kind of like a similar thing where like um, uh, there's a group of protesters in front of the Daily Bugle, and Jonah is like leading it because he's like. Um, 
uh doesn't like the the police surveillance thing and like okay. he part part of it also is like oh if i'm the one leading the the protest then that's going to be good for the bugle type thing yeah, but yeah. similar thing of um like spider-man comes down to say hi to the protesters uh, also to poke fun at jj because he can't believe jj is part of a protest right right <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then as he's like going away you know he he yeah he says that same thing of like there's spider-man he he tried to assault me get him, get him. And, <laughs> and i think randy randy robertson who's like standing next to him with like one of his other college buddies they're like well we can't fly what do you want us to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah like like jonah just thinks that somebody's just gonna turn yeah. into spider-man and chase him or something yeah. i don't know um i what i uh but uh you know another another thing i i dug about that was you know you talking about jonah being one of your favorite characters something that that really struck me is like he's he's such a complicated and interesting character too you know mm -hmm. so he endorses sam bullet for da at first mm -hmm. and then retracts his endorsement when he finds out all these dirty dealings that he's had Mm -hmm. And and I and I really loved that because it, it shows that while Jonah's not a good guy, he's also but he's not a bad guy, you know, Yeah. yeah. Uh, even though like I know there's stories where like he, he is co-created Scorpion and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, that's obviously not good, but uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but I but I dig that, you know, for the most part, Jonah, you know, JJ can be very it, it can be complicated and. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so even though he's out to get Spidey, who's our hero, and we all love him, and he's complicated too, you know, as soon as, but Jonah's first and, uh, first allegiance is to the, is to, you know, the press, to the mm -hmm. truth, to, yeah. to, yeah. you know, justice in a sense. Yeah. Um, so even though he sees Spider-Man as an injustice, when he sees a real injustice, like Sam Bullet, he's like, no, we're done. I'm not dealing with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah and, but even then like in, in little bits like that like there's still things like robertson may, like, is like oh yeah and to think he had you like hoodwinked all that time and uh jj tries to cover it up being like no i had i had his number the whole time i was oh, just yeah. playing along yeah <laughs> like just trying to you know lessen the blow that he was kind of fooled for a little while lessen the blow to his e ego but i right. mean like but yeah like he is a com complex character where where like he's he's very stern and brash and often selfish but there are like usual like little bits of integrity like in that bit with uh you know bullet where where he's like no we're dropping our support because of your ties to racist groups and stuff and mm -hmm. um but then but and it's little things like that that they they still like appear in um uh like other like animated series or like uh you know the first raimi movie when like green goblin like first comes in into the office and yeah. he's like where's the guy who takes pictures of spider-man and yeah obviously peter parker is right outside the office still right but jj is just like uh oh, he sends his stuff by the mail i don't know who he is you know right. it's like yeah like that still like little bits that like yeah he's uh you know can be a, a crazy stern buffoon sometimes but he <laughs> he does have like his own little like code of honor to yeah. type of thing or like his sense of integrity that, that he has to maintain even as he's like 
laughing at Peter <laughs> about asking yeah. for an advance or or you know telling him to get shots or uh, or uh, trying to brand Spidey as the enemy. Right. And, and and that's and that's so fascinating because it'd be so it'd be so less interesting if he was like a Perry White that was just yeah. a supporter of of you know like Superman or you know in this case Spider-Man. Mm. Um because it's it's you know it it works for Perry White. And it would just be boring if it was J. Jonah Jameson doing the same thing, because then we'd just be like, well, that's just Perry White, you know? Yeah. So Stanley was smart to be like, well, no, he's going to be, he's going to paint him as a public menace. And, mm-hmm. and, and you kind of see why, because Peter being so young, he, he screws up all mm-hmm. the time. And in this case, it costs lives, you know, it costs, you know, uh, George Stacy's life costs. Yeah. Like I, like I was really, um, cause I, I don't think I, read the death of george stacy either um before this uh when when you suggested maybe we tie we tied in with night night of gwen stacy um like obviously i knew he died and i knew a little bit about how he died like that doc ock was involved and is like partially responsible but um you know i didn't know like the exact and i knew that like george stacy died saving a young child as well like he pushed him out of the way of some rubble but um i didn't know a lot more of the details like how it's kind of also spider-man's fault because he like he he does that thing where he like manages to jam up uh doc ock's arms and get them to like fight each other but like it it's just it goes beyond his he didn't expect it to go so far beyond his control that like oh they're waving like every which way and, right, and right. then it's because of that that they like smash into this chimney and that causes like the rubble to fall and stuff so yeah like he's also in a way responsible because he he didn't anticipate like any kind of collateral damage or or you know the like really think about the civilians that were underneath the building watching them right and stuff so yeah like it's definitely like um and that's one thing for spidey not just throughout like these two stories but like throughout you know like most of his like comic book history is that like uh whenever he does screw up like he screws up hard and there are severe repercussions for it and um you know like like we spoke earlier that uh um like those repercussions they last a while like mo- most comic book series like you know if uh like if batman screws up something then like that might be like a point for you know a few issues maybe a couple yep. a few issues before it's kind of like resolved or, or whatever or if he has like a falling out with robin or, or or nightwing or whatever then yeah that's usually resolved in a few issues right but uh yeah w- but with spidey like any kind of mistakes he make lasts a long time and they become like a, a huge point in the development of his character yeah. uh going forward um and, and you know I, I mentioned one of the things with this one is that Gwen blames him for uh her father's death for a long time and still like even when she's kind of come to terms with it she's still like unsure of you know 
where he stands or you know if he's good and it doesn't help that peter has to play bad guys sometimes like when they find him unexpectedly in the in his spider-man suit and he has to be like oh i was looking for parker because um he he tried going out of our deal of uh taking photos of me oh yeah yeah yeah. you know things like that that like that doesn't help his case that right you know so so it's like he's still like it's funny because he's still caught like as much as sometimes the supervillains give him trouble he is also the source of his own trouble so much of the time too and and that's that's really sort of the you know when we talk about spider-man being so relatable as a character that's that's what we're talking about you know yeah yeah we, we can all relate to the idea of no good deed goes unpunished, right? We can mm-hmm. all relate to the idea that, you know, well, you know, like Spider-Man being like, oh, I, I had this, you know, in my web shooter, you know, this chemical that made Doc Ock's arms not listen to him, you know, haha, I'm so mm-hmm. smart. And then it, you know, all the rubble yeah. goes down to kill, and he almost hurts all the bystanders. And then he's like, oh no, what have I done? It's just like, like I'm reading this going, I, I, I'm so captivated by the story that I'm sitting there in Peter's shoes going, oh no, like, you know, mm. I can't believe this happened. And and then I'm sort of like, I have to pull myself out of the story for a second and go, mm-hmm. oh, it's okay. It's just, it's just, it's just a story, but it's all, yeah, but it's, yeah. but it's awesome that it, uh, that it affects me a certain way. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, I mean, it's 50 years old and it's still hitting me that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I got to say that uh, one of the things that I really, really loved about it um was the fact that Gwen and George uh, have have stayed dead? You know, we I mean we've had like the Clone Saga, yeah. alternate universes, and whatever. But mm-hmm. when that's all well and good, but for the most part, the real Gwen Stacy and the real George Stacy have stayed dead. And I think that yeah. that's that's such a smart thing because we just don't have that nowadays. You know, you have mm-hmm. the cover of Spider Man One Twenty One, right? Like, oh no, somebody's gonna die, uh, and I can't do anything to save them, and then. Um, but you get a cover like that today and yeah, we're all going to roll our a, eyes. Yeah. And it's a, yeah, it's a gimmick now. Like I remember um, a good example is I think it was uh, the new 52 Batman, like 18 or 19, but like, it, it was like one of the wraparound covers. It was the month that they were doing like wraparound covers where like the other half was like, a surprise oh yeah, that, that, yeah of yep. the story and on that cover it was like oh who is like the cover was who is holding a gun to jim gordon and then you wrap it around like you fold it out and it's bruce wayne yeah yeah <laughs> and then in the story itself it's just like that scene doesn't really even happen it's just like a misdirect because yeah because it's it's clayface (laughs) yeah 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 and yeah so yeah you get covers like that nowadays and it's like doesn't come to fruition it's a tease it's a gimmick and uh but and and i mean at the at that time like when you know uh 121 came out fans probably thought the same thing then that that uh, that you know oh yeah like the cover it's just a tease but like that doesn't really happen they're gonna be fine you know like it's yep. just to make us you know get the issue <laughs> and then when you like, get to the final page it's like oh no this this was not a tease at all gwen yeah. 
is dead. <laughs> well, well, not only that, but the interesting thing uh, that uh, I forgot about that story was that it's it's the same story where you know Green Goblin dies. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. where it's you know uh, where obviously Sam Raimi got the ending for the the first movie where he gets impaled, yeah. and mm-hmm. and I and I and I knew that going in. Actually, I think I thought it happened later, but. Um, but the, the fact that it happens, you know, in 122, I was really surprised. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow. Like, they went, like, you know, Jerry Conway, he went for the, the gut punch yeah. there. You know, he was very yeah. much like, oh, no, like, these, you know, we're, we're killing off both these characters. And, yeah. And then, yeah. and then it, it also kind of got me excited because that's when, you know, because then, like, later, Harry's still withdraw because the late, later issues, yeah. Harry's still going through withdrawal, and then he becomes the next Green Goblin. And, yeah. And yeah. All that so stuff the, so yeah, so this... Yeah, like that's another repercussion of it. Like not only with uh, you know, like everything that Peter goes through, like with his own guilt and trauma, but like that also sets a stage for Harry becoming yep. the ne- the next one. So, right. yeah, just huge repercussions and consequences in this in this story. And I mean, to your point that like George and and Gwen have stayed dead, like. Norman Osborn was dead for like 20 over 20 years oh, maybe, yeah. before before they decided to like do that twist where they brought him back from the clone saga and and mm-hmm. he's actually been the one in running the whole show the entire time yeah in, it, in that... some convoluted method but yeah but but yeah again it's like that that thing that like like that's a long time for because nowadays, when a comic character dies, they're they're gone for maybe anywhere between two and uh, let's say five years max. You yeah. know, any any like, and five years is being generous because <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, usually right. like two, maybe three. Um, but uh, but Green Goblin, like for a long time, he was like one of those characters that was untouchable like no he's staying dead yeah like uh, which was a huge thing um and you know uh to, to kind of go back to your point of of how sam raimi um uh was influenced in in green goblin's fate from from that issue like this issue these two issues have like influenced so many spider-man stories outside of the comics because yeah like not only not in in spider-man the movie not only do you get green goblin's death happening much the same way uh, of spider-man dodging the glider and it 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 impales osborne Mm -hmm. but you also get that like climactic encounter on top of the bridge right (laughs) right and that even happens in the uh, Spider-Man animated series. Mm-hmm. They fight, and Mary Jane gets lost uh, atop that same bridge. Right, and like he, like he even says, I, I think like verbatim, like Osborne, or I'll kill you. Like he says the lines in, in the comic when he's yep. talking about Gwen. Like you know, uh, so yeah, it's it's crazy like how these stories have like influenced so much of Spider-Man and have like stayed so influential. Um and and even to the point of No Way Home, 
<laughs> yeah. Because you get that moment like, okay, instead of killing Gwen or MJ, it's Aunt May that Green Goblin kills. Right. So right. so it's all it's still that thing of like, no, it's always Green Goblin who has to like be the one to to take to take that very personal uh step, you know, by, yeah. by taking away someone uh Peter loves. Right. He he tried in the Raimi trilogy. He tried with MJ, didn't work. But in Amazing Two, even though it's Harry Osborn, Green Goblin, like he, he succeeds in killing Gwen, and then in No Way Home, he succeeds in killing Aunt May. So yeah, um, and which is one of the reasons why, like Green Goblin, is my favorite Spidey villain. Um, oh yeah. And you know, like I like Doc Ock is up there too, uh, but like there's just always been something about Green Goblin that I've loved uh, ever since I was a kid. And it's funny actually because because of the animated series, they introduced Hobgoblin first, yeah, and yeah. then Green Goblin. So yeah. for for years, I never knew it was actually the other way around. <laughs> same, yep, yeah, exactly but, uh, the same. Yeah, but um yeah i mean like not not like he's got first off green goblin has such a distinctive look compared to a lot of spidey's other rogues yeah um and then his like personality too is just so out there but like he's just still so deadly and and then you and then you get the twist that like like he's he's the first they really amp him up because uh, over here's appearances because he becomes the first and only villain to discover uh, Peter Parker's Spider-Man. Yep. And then there's a twist that uh, Green Goblin has been Norman Osborn the whole time. Yep. And then he's gone for a long time. He gets amnesia. Uh, doesn't become Green Goblin again until uh, like just before the hundredth issue, mm-hmm. um, and and then again he's he comes back, and the next time he comes back, he kills Gwen. Yep. So it, it's such a huge impact for him to uh, like have been built up for so long, and, and he, he, like even when. Um, even it like without Green Goblin being in the story, when they have Norman in there, uh, like so, like yeah, it's always just been such a a, a huge thing that yep. that uh, Green Goblin was such a a big threat to Spidey. Um, yeah, that 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 yeah. personal connection makes makes it uh, makes it that much more compelling, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and I'm really glad that the first movie you know went that direction because it it, mm-hmm. it really raises the stakes, you know, because and that's also kind of what I liked about Spider-Man, uh, uh, pretty much all the Spider-Man movies that even mm-hmm. if it's you know something where Peter has to do something to save the city, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's always a personal stake in it. Um, yeah. And, you know, because he, you know, in the amazing movies, you know, he was friends with Dr. Connors. 
you know mm. he didn't really uh you know harry turned evil you know and he, he also didn't really and he felt kind of guilty about how max was treated uh mm-hmm. when, before he became electro um and then in in all the uh uh the tom holland ones you know we get michael keaton who uh mm-hmm. you know doesn't you know he's he's just trying to steal some stuff and that doesn't affect peter pretty much at all but he's still gonna do the right thing and yeah it's and then and then he turns out to be uh liz's father yeah, <laughs> like, which, which is which... one of the best twists like that i was not expecting that in homecoming I, <laughs> like i'll never forget that my jaw dropped in the yeah. movie theater when he opens the door he's like you must be peter i was like holy crap <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and then michael like uh that that uh not cab scene but like when he's driving them to the dance and you know there's that yeah. like subtle little turn from keaton where, where like he you see you see him making connecting the dots yep in, as liz is talking and then like you know he turns to like full vulture threat mode um it's, it's one so- one of the best scenes in the comic book movie i've seen like, I, I mean a hundred percent and you know i just the only thing missing from it is when you know keaton opens the door you know tom holland should have said batman but you know <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah they're not gonna do that but yeah. um but you know it, it but yeah and then um and then even um in the second movie with with jake gyllenhaal like he, mm-hmm. he he just you know tricks the hell out of peter and it's so sad mm-hmm. really because peter really trusted him yeah and then in the and then in the last movie when all the villains popping out of the multiverse and and peter's like i just want to help them and they mm-hmm. can't help their nature and yeah, it's yeah. i mean it's just it's all really compelling stuff and it, it makes for i mean it, it, it's the reason that spider-man is, is so popular and so uh you know because you know a lot of people say you know like oh well batman's great because he doesn't have any powers i'm like well sure like you know and that's human i guess but at the same time it's but peter has this just like the worst luck in the world and he just he tries so hard and he just Mm -hmm. you know it's one step forward two steps back yeah you know and and and, you know to your point about how he connects with the villain like he's got like a lot of empathy like both both in the movies and in the comics like he's got a lot of empathy um which is again like uh, another reason why I think like he's so many people's favorite because yep. um uh he he's just got this like despite all all the tragedy that surrounds him and all, and all the the guilt that he carries and you know thinking like oh I I like I have to be Spider-Man so something like Uncle Ben never happens again right and you know but like still all the trouble that brings like he still remains like a, a pretty like innocent and pure person, <laughs> like he like um, optimistic. He, even in like even when he's down, he's you know like just always trying to keep forward and and uh, and stay as positive as he can be. But like always trying to do the right thing. Like I, I, that's one of the reasons why I think like he's so popular uh, and is like so many people's favorite because because of that just innate goodness peter parker has and uh, i i gotta say that my favorite aspect of, of the story was peter just being so blinded with rage after gwen dies 
Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm Osborne. I'm going to kill you. Like you. Yeah. And 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 you know, we as the readers, you, know, you believe it. Like you know. Yeah. You, you kill the woman I love. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And then and then he really and he and even before the glider thing happens, he stops himself. He's like, No, this isn't right. I'm not going to yeah. do that. And then the glider mm-hmm. happens, and Osborne dies. And but and and Peter isn't like, Oh yay, I got what I wanted. He's he's mm-hmm. very much like, I don't feel anything now. I this isn't. Yeah. I I don't feel better. And I think that's a sign of a true hero, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of, yeah. Like a lot of moon, like a lot of, even just outside of superhero movies, like if the villain dies, like you feel a sense of satisfaction of like, sure. Yes. The villain's dead. And like, even often if it's like, you know, a very like painful, gruesome death, you're like, yes, they suffered. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) but um, like, like you know, as an as an example, take take Joker's death in Batman eighty nine. Like, you know, uh, where in that movie he's the one who killed Thomas and Martha Wayne, so he he set Bruce Wayne on the path to becoming Batman. And like, right. as much as I, because Joker is my favorite comic book villain, as much as I don't like seeing him die, <laughs> just just because I love seeing Batman and Joker fight. Sure. Um, but yeah, like uh, despite that, like you still feel a sense of like satisfaction when, when uh, you know he he says like, "Oh, I just kill myself sometimes," and yep. and then you know. He like Batman gets the the gargoyle attached to his leg and like he he falls off the ladder and and stuff. So it's like, oh yeah, like he 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 was a pretty bad guy (laughs) in that movie. And he he did kill Thomas and Martha. So, you know, yeah, you feel that sense of satisfaction. Even in um but in Night Gwen Stacy died, and then even in uh Spider-Man, um you don't really feel satisfied because and it's mostly because of peter's perspective because right. like, like yeah to, like you said he doesn't gloat he doesn't be like uh that was for you gwen um, right right he doesn't he doesn't you know take any satisfaction in it he's just like oh like yeah like what now kind of yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that, that's the same thing that happens in in uh spider-man 2002 you know he, he gets impaled but you're not like oh yay green goblin's dead and he, he like he got impaled by the at, like at the crotch yeah. ouch you know <laughs> you, you don't you don't sense that because both of the way that uh uh, Toby Maguire and Willem Dafoe play that scene. It's not. It's it's not a good moment. It's tragic, right. and like even when you know Willem Dafoe, like he he does that scene where you uh, you see that last little glimmer of uh, Norman Osborn come out, where where he asks him, you know, not to tell Harry. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, you don't feel even though Spidey's alive and Green Goblin is gone, you don't feel very happy about it because of the way they play that scene and then immediately afterwards when um uh now now like now the situation is flipped where instead of gwen kind of blaming spider-man for her father's death you have harry blaming spider-man for his father's death because he witnesses 
Spidey bringing the body in and carrying him, he naturally assumes Spidey must have done something. Right. And, it, you know, which you figure that could have been a conversation that happened in the second movie and doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, easy thing to clear up. But, or, uh, or, or even from the stupid you know the third movie where his butler is like oh i cleaned his wounds and it came from his glander it's like you couldn't have said that at any point five years man what's the matter with you (laughs) yeah like i i I love the how it should have ended of that scene of like you're so fired i lost half my face man (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's 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 a good one that's one of my favorite ones of those um so re- real quick before we uh, wrap up here, how do you feel about the uh, the amazing movies and the fact that they they did adapt the the death of the Stacys? Um, really, all I really want to say about it is that I have very complicated feelings. Uh, number one, that I think that I mean I'm a huge Dennis Leary fan, and I think he was perfect, and I love that. You know, and I love that he eventually became on Peter's side and and sacrificed himself to save not just Peter, but the city. And, but I, you know, you say what you want about the amazing Spider-Man two. Uh, in, in my opinion, the biggest sin of that movie was killing off Gwen Stacy. That mm. did not need to happen. Um, yeah. it, Cause they, they gave her an out and then they were like, cause it would have been so much more satisfying Peter going to the hospital with Gwen mm-hmm. and her saying, I'm leaving, but you need to stay because the city needs spider-man or something like yeah, that yeah, yeah. Uh, because gwen is unlike mj in the other movie she's instrumental in saving the day yeah yeah no like yeah like gwen is not the damsel in distress in either of those movies like she right. she stays she helps out and she is like part of the reason why spider-man succeeds in both movies right um uh, I will say for for number one, um, I I also really like Dennis Leary as Captain Stacy, yep. and it's interesting reading like these old stories and comparing them with like uh, the other Captain Stacys I've seen in like some of the other series or like in Spectacular Spider Man. He like they play up the facts that like there there comes a point in that series where uh uh stacy has kind of figured out that peter parker is spider-man but like he doesn't ever actually acknowledge it like he talks to peter about um you know uh why he thinks spider-man um wears a mask and like why he needs to protect those he cares about and peter's like why are you telling me this and, yeah, yeah yeah and and stacy's just like oh i'm just kind of thinking out loud kind of thing like that's how he covers it but then like other later conversations is he makes like a couple of flimsy excuses for peter so it's like he definitely knows right um and but he's still a very like kind-hearted captain in, in that in that series Yep. But in the movie, in Amazing, uh, it's interesting to find that he has a more, um, I don't want to say adversarial relationship with Peter, but like he, he comes off much more stern than yep. you know his, his comic book counterpart. But it works perfectly because of how, how Dennis Leary plays it. But also, uh, 
or how he helps Peter develop as Spider-Man because one of one of my favorite bits in um, Amazing Spider-Man is when they're at the uh, he's at the Stacy's for dinner and they they get talking about Spider-Man and Peter is like defending Spider-Man's actions um but then like first you know then then Dan, like uh Stacy tells him that oh well he this that uh thing you're talking about was actually uh, a sting operation which he ruined something that we spent months working on so like right, we right. we have no case now because of what he did and he obviously feels like a little guilty but he still tries defending it but then uh stacy brings up the very good point that he's noticed that all of the criminals that uh spider-man has captured and like brought to them they all uh have striking physical similarities yeah. so like he's deduced that uh spider-man is looking for one person in particular which obviously we know is uh uncle ben's killer right and so he he just kind of abolishes this idea that uh spider-man is like out there doing good to try to be good that he's like uh, like looking for someone for revenge or for some other reason and the way that andrew garfield like you watch andrew garfield mm. and he, like the way he plays that scene it's like there's a slow dawn of realization that like oh yeah i i have not been as altruistic as i've been thinking Right. just the way that he he realizes okay yeah like this is i have kind of been looking out for more vengeance which then feeds into his decision to leap off the building after kissing gwen to to go directly to the bridge and right. that's like that's the moment where he really becomes spider-man where you know he he uh saves the kid and helps him out like through again that empathy and compassion that we talked about but like that's the moment and so like yeah stacy in that movie unknowingly helped spider-man like realize what he was doing or what he was kind of becoming and corrects that and then at the end of the movie you know uh yeah they do form like a nice partner partnership and it's also cool because when peter parker goes to stacy to tell him about the lizard and that it's Connors and whatever. And you think like he's gonna brush him off, that like yeah. which Stacy does. He he you know makes fun of like, oh, you want me to put out a bulletin about a lizard man, you know, that type yeah. of thing. But then like even still, he like he still takes that information and he says, Hey, like send a couple guys to Kirk Connors' house. Yeah. So I so there's still that. that like rationality that like he he's still able to see that like some of that story does make sense i'm not gonna brush it off just because it's a little outlandish like yeah. so so he's still like capable of of uh seeing rationally in, in that thing so so like again yeah he, he was really good i i wasn't surprised he died in in the first movie mm -hmm. um and yeah like i i thought his death worked both for like peter's arc and the consequences um 
I have, it's fine. I have a little bit of an issue of how Peter almost immediately backs off on his promise to Gwen's dad. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's, that's a bit of a thing. That doesn't uh, sit right with me either. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, uh, other than that, yeah. Like I really like, you know, how he was in Amazing 2 or in Amazing. As for Amazing 2, I have complicated feelings on that one. Because <laughs> um, much like Spider-Man 3, it feels too overcrowded with villains and like the subplots and all that. Like Green Goblin, if you want to build up to Green Goblin, then you should have saved that for Amazing 3. Yep. That would have been a good Amazing 3. But yeah. uh, and, and I think it, it, it would have worked just fine uh, for 3, but what um but i will say that i do love that peter is haunted by mm -hmm. by captain stacy in in part two i think mm -hmm. that you know it, it's and it's put in the movie in, in just the right spots where yeah. he sees like the ghost of captain stacy and i just think that's so well done and mm -hmm. and and the fact that he never speaks he just looks yeah. at him and I just, it's so, it's so haunting. It's so cool. And I remember mm -hmm. in the movie theater, the first time I saw it, I was like, that's such a nice touch. And mm -hmm. it makes sense why Peter is, is so conflicted f f with Gwen. Cause he's like, I, I love you so much, but I made this promise to your father and now I don't know mm -hmm. what to do. And, and then she gets frustrated with him and says, well, we're just done. I can't do this anymore. And then, mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, but again, I, I think killing her off was the, yeah, they didn't need to do that <laughs> yeah i think yeah like if, if you wanted to kill her off that maybe should have been saved for like three yeah. but because it just felt so shoehorned in into like i i like i i like the scene itself yeah. um and andrew garfield a andrew garfield and emma stone they in both movies have incredible or amazing <laughs> chemistry <laughs> spectacular yeah <laughs> yeah yeah they have like great chemistry with each other and again like what you were saying earlier uh gwen is like plays a pivotal part in how spidey saves the day and how she moves the plot forward with her knowledge of the villains and science and stuff yeah. um so i i like the scene itself the uh of and how it's presented of Gwen's death and how you know uh Peter's yeah he's still haunted by like he's traumatized by Gwen's death in that movie and, and which we even still see in No Way Home <laughs> like he's it's still something that affects him oh yeah um but yeah I I agree that uh yeah just it just felt shoehorned in and um you didn't you didn't need to end it there uh like if you want to do something like that like i said save that for number three when you do green goblin or you finally do the sinister six as yeah. the amazing spider-man movies were building up to before to, they yeah, <laughs> yeah be before they you know canceled three um, well, well, the the joke that I made with my friends after two was that like I, you know, in in Amazing Three, I, they're gonna have to kill off Gwen's mom or one of her brothers or something because <laughs> apparently that's the theme of these movies. We got to kill off as many Stacys as we can. Yeah. 
or maybe he'll have a girlfriend named Stacy something. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I find it funny too because I mean they got uh, what what's her name? Um, Shailene Woodley, I think, yep. to to be Aunt Mary Jane, and yeah, she's man. she was in the movie, but they deleted out. her scene. So they were obviously going to build up to that, which. Wait, but know. but again, I think but, if if they had kept that in, again, they have an out for Gwen. Yeah, and, which would have been more interesting. Yeah, and I, think, I mean, she's she's already going to London. Yeah. In in that movie, which is what happens in the comics, like mm-hmm. after her father dies, she, her, her uncle, her father's brother, says you should come over here and stay here for a while with us that's right um, yeah. which yeah like she's already going to london um you have the perfect out for her and like the door is still open for her to come back in number three mm-hmm. and even then like I, I all i find it really funny of spider-man and electro's fight in, in the climax that they had to like out of everything going wrong uh they also had to like add this ticking clock to it of like the two planes colliding or or whatever happens. Yeah. Um, which number one, I don't, I you didn't need that. You didn't no. need this. At there's already enough tension. You don't need to add this thing of you know two planes crashing into each other, which Spider Man doesn't even know. <laughs> like right, like they don't know that's happening or that that's going to happen. So it's not like a you know we need to stop Electro before the planes hit each other. They don't know it's happening, so it's just like added thing. But then how like if she's on the plane to London, she could have been on one of those planes. Yes. So then you could have that that would have made that would have been a more natural thing to have those scenes and to have that tension of like oh she's gwen is on one of those planes that's about to hit that's why we're worrying about spider-man stopping electro as soon as possible right but but instead it just feels yeah like very tacked on that that gwen is there and then immediately after they defeat electro harry flies in and it's like oh that is very convenient it's uh it's very much like like was he waiting his turn like yeah yeah. he's electro defeated okay now i'm coming in you know (laughs) i I, I don't know but uh it's you know but i also thought about this that in no way home i was like i i wonder if when peter three goes back to his universe if gwen would be alive because Mm -hmm. you know the that ending would obviously be very different if electro loses his powers yeah Um, so i that's kind of my headcanon, at least that there, yeah, that there yeah. ended up being kind of a happy ending because those are kind of dark movies, surprisingly. But then yeah. again, Spider-Man is for as cool and funny as he is. I always think of him as one of the funniest superheroes. He's uh, he's very he's, he has a very tragic, you know, he has very tragic stories and a very tragic yeah. uh, background and everything. Yeah, so it's, like like even even outside of the Stacy's deaths, which you know, as we've discussed already tragic enough but then you add on other stories like the alien symbiote where spider-man like goes kind of goes bad for a little while yeah or tries to go bad before uh you know he he rips the symbiote off but yeah you have you have the symbiote you have the clone saga which despite all the craziness of that (laughs) it's like 
some dark things happen in that. Yep, um, yep. And then you have other things like, uh, you know, Aunt May getting shot at the end of Civil War and then uh, One More Day, which, you know, uh, is its own thing <laughs> to, to rant about. But yeah, yeah. like Spider-Man is like one of those few heroes that are, that are like is consistently struck by tragedy and uh like even even when dan slot like killed him off for a little while and doc Ock, like took over his body um you know it's like yeah like that's tragic in in in, in its own way because now like the villain is one and he's in the hero's body but like yeah. Yeah, there, there's lots of things that definitely for as fun and carefree and, and entertaining as Spider-Man's adventures are. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, seriousness and heavy stuff that happens to him like throughout like his whole run. It's it's pretty crazy. It's 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 very. Uh, <laughs> it, but it also shows the. Uh the the resilience of spider-man and Mm -hmm. you know his like you said about his uh empathy and compassion is that it's it makes the character that much more compelling that despite all that and even though spider-man you know we love to have the you know spider-man no more stories which pop up every Mm -hmm. you know five or ten years or something um it there's there's always those little glimmers of hope that it's like Mm -hmm. no like it's it's going to be okay, and yeah. and again, that's what makes Spider Man so yeah. interesting and so compelling. I think, yeah, and I think that's you know we we've talked about the movies, we haven't mentioned Into the Spider Verse. Um, oh yeah, which is one of the best Spider Man movies. But like your point, you said resilience, and I think Into the Spider Verse defines Spider Man's resilience really well. Like I really yeah. like that bit of that constant theme of throughout the movie like no matter which spider-man it is whether it's you know peter b parker or miles or or spider-gwen you know they all every one of them reiterates this thing of like no matter how many times i get hit i get back up um and, and yeah like that's definitely one of his defining traits that like he is very resilient and despite all the tragedy that that happens to him and all the trauma he strives to remain optimistic and keep that good-natured attitude that people so commonly um uh relate spider-man with um and like he's always wisecracking and stuff like yeah (laughs) one of the best one of the best uh i didn't i didn't read all the run of uh superior spider-man but um i think like my favorite bit is that i have read is that the like the tail end of it when he does come back and he like confronts green goblin again and green goblin is doing a monologue thinking it's still doc ock and body and then like he just makes a joke about like oh well at least i'll die knowing i've never worn a man purse yeah yeah, <laughs> no, yeah and and just that one joke is enough to let green goblin know you're not doc ock you are you are the spider-man I, like. that's it's it's such a it's so well done too because 
there's just a panel of Green Goblin just staring at him, and the next panel yeah. is it's you. Yeah, and I'll never forget that. It's yeah. so it's so good, and I just remember mm-hmm. reading that and cheering and going, "Yeah, it's him. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna yeah. kick your ass." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so like the the way that art is. I forget who did the art uh, of that one, but like ah, oh, those four panels of like Spider Man making the joke, Goblin looking like surprised and it's you and then spider-man's retort of like the one and only right those four panels are so good it uh i i kind of know the artist's name uh but it's i believe he's italian so i don't want to butcher his his name so <laughs> yes that's right uh, that's right yeah no so I, I, I know who you're talking about now okay. yeah and same thing i don't i don't want to say it to butcher i'm gonna have to look up the pronunciation yeah that's uh so but oh uh but God. that yeah but i agree that's uh that's yeah. one of the such a great spider-man moment um yeah and and ricky this has been an absolute blast uh getting to not just go down the the rabbit hole of uh the stacy's but peter parker and spider-man in general with you mm-hmm. um this has been so much fun just getting and i and i i feel your passion you know so i got to just kind of lean back and just let you go and just go <laughs> and just go this what you know he's you've got this like i can just uh well thank you (laughs) yeah yeah um so uh ricky if people are looking for you out there in the uh interwebs pun intended where can they find you (laughs) um you can follow me on twitter at richard church 16 um i'm also a writer for flickering myth uh you can follow me there for uh, all my movie reviews comic reviews um and like just other movie news and stuff that i write and follow um occasionally i do uh, some stuff for batman on film i'm you'll you'll probably see something for dark knight rises 10th anniversary in a little bit for me so yeah uh that's where you can find me um that's that's awesome. I've become really good friends with all those uh, Batman and film guys, and I'm glad. Yeah, to... they're they're a great bunch for sure. Uh, and I'm, they're, they're I'm all cool. I'm glad to uh, count you among them now. Um, so we'll get you on. Uh, we'll we'll definitely get you back for another Spider-Man romp, and uh, and maybe even on the uh, the other four comic junkies show where mm-hmm. you can, you know, you can say whatever the hell you want on that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. No language barrier. No. No swear. <laughs> I'll have a swear but, jar with me next time. So. <laughs> um, and as for Banjo, you can find him uh, annoying the living <laughs> hell out of me um, during this entire podcast. Um, and uh, I don't know if you heard it earlier, but he tried to jump on the counter and knocked over his food bowl. So that was hilarious. I thought I, thought I heard a little noise. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just kind of sat here just going, <sighs> but he's yeah. sitting next to me now being all yeah. quiet. I, I had to lock my cats out because uh, although they probably would have just sat in the chair behind me, but uh, uh, I'm <laughs> I'm certain I would have there would have been a uh, there would have been a Jack Nicholson shining moment if I tried to do that with him. So. <laughs> um, but then as for me, um, you can find me on Twitter at Spider Man Books. You can email me Spider Man Book Club at gmail dot com. Um, uh and yeah uh follow the show like subscribe uh wherever you get your podcasts uh you can also follow four comic junkies um uh four comic junkies on uh uh twitter and instagram uh mostly twitter 
Uh, and uh, we're going to end this. Uh, well, actually, before we end, uh, do you have a local comic book store you want to uh, you want to? Oh yes, uh, yeah, uh, Big B Comics in uh, Hamilton. Here, uh, I go there quite regularly, and they're a cool store. So, anyone living in uh, Hamilton, Ontario, or uh, check out them, or uh, check out their website. They they ship online and stuff too. So. Yeah, awesome. big big B comics. Great, uh, banjo. You wanna you wanna end us here? Got anything to say? No, you're quiet now that I'm asking you. <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, we're gonna end this the way we always do with Stanley's signature, Excelsior.